Regenerative Medicine today. This is John Murphy. My pleasure to welcome to this podcast, Stephen Winowich. Mr. Winowich is the president of ProCirca, the technology company providing services to the clinical industry across the country. Welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Perhaps you can do a little better description of what ProCirca does. Sure. ProCirca is a wholly owned subsidiary of UPMC, and we have four specific service lines, one in perfusion services, one in mechanical circulatory support, otherwise known as artificial heart, one in blood conservation and blood management, perioperative blood management is what we call it, and the last division is the neurodiagnostic division. We provide services to and within all of UPMC facilities. And we have an external component where we bundle up our expertise and we deliver it on a national or perhaps on an international basis. I think the beginnings of this technology was in the artificial heart program. Is that correct? Actually, it started as a clinical engineering company named Biotronics back in the early 1980s. And then it evolved out of Shadyside Hospital where the key principals at that time understood that they had an expertise in clinical engineering and repair and maintenance and management of capital medical equipment that may have some value externally. In the late 1990s, perfusion was integrated, and then early 2000 is when the artificial heart program was integrated. Clinical engineering has since been moved out and we have the four clinical service lines that I mentioned. But my background, and I started back in the artificial heart program back in 1988, and we developed a for-profit entity called Vital Engineering. It was a consulting business in combination with the work that we did here clinically and with the McGowan Institute. And later, as that became more substantive, it was moved into Biotronics Pro Circa because we had a more structured foundation that we could develop and expand our capabilities. I think I read that you treat over 1,000 patients a year. Across our domain, believe it or not, we treat close to 20,000 patients a year. We do about 4,000 open heart procedures. We treat several thousand patients with mechanical circulatory support with our stretch in different hospitals where we provide services. We do about 30,000 hours of ECMO support a year, and we have several patient, what I'll loosely call touches, in our perioperative blood management. And now with intraoperative neuromonitoring and the neurodiagnostics, well over 10,000 patients are treated on the neuro side. So yeah, that's a widespread and a growing organization. In fact, we just added EEG, EMG and nerve conduction group to our program here as of January 1st. So we now have roughly 250 employees that are providing services for us across several states and, as I mentioned before, internationally. That's very interesting. I think it's an interesting combination of technology, engineering, and clinical services that you provide. Is this unique in this particular regard? 
The services that we provide are provided elsewhere outside of mechanical circulatory support. There are other companies that do this. However, there are none that I know of that are hospital-owned or hospital-based entities. And that provides us a unique advantage in that we have access to several thousand UPMC clinical experts, domain experts, which lend credibility to the services that we provide, trying to stay on the front edge of technologies and or therapies. And we're also very fortunate because of our having a home within UPMC, we have a very, very close relationship with the University of Pittsburgh. So that leads us to our connections and strong collaboration with the McGowan Institute, the Swanson School of Engineering, And locally, we have universities, Carlo University that houses our School of Perfusion and our Interoperative Neuromonitoring Training Program, and then Carnegie Mellon, where we've been involved with different projects, resource device-related technologies. So we're in a hotbed of activity, which creates a different dynamic for ProCirca than it would for other organizations that are out there that do or provide similar services. I have to tell you the story. Not so long ago, I had a conversation with a graduate student who was completing his work for his PhD. I asked him why he came to Pittsburgh and was working in the artificial heart program. He said, this is a quote because he said, I couldn't get the same kind of training anyplace else in the country. He thought it was provided a very unique environment for his training. I would agree. And it's really where I was bred in terms of my upbringing here within the institution with individuals like Dr. Borovitz, Dr. Kormos, Dr. Griffith at the time. And the program is set up in a unique way that utilizes those with engineering skill, typically undergraduate or graduate level engineers who have a true clinical patient interface with patients supported by mechanical circulatory support technologies in that they provide coverage in the off hours, evenings, weekends, because somebody here is in the hospital around the clock taking care of this population of patients. And it's a unique approach when at the time it started, there were very few hospitals across the country, academic medical centers that were utilizing the engineers. It was typically nurses and or perfusionists. But the novel approach that Dr. Sporovitz, Griffith, Kormos developed has now escalated, and there are several academic institutions that utilize engineers. For a student who comes into this domain, they are taking care of the sickest patients, and uh, they're involved in the operating room, they're involved in this cardiothoracic ICU on the step down units, they're teaching patients and their families how to utilize equipment. They are rounding with physicians. They're involved in cutting-edge research. So they are on the forefront. And because of the scope of the program at UPMC, which is one of the busier programs in the country, if not in the world, the engineers over the course of a two- or a three-year stint, typically the graduate students who spend three, four, or five years, walk away with an incredible experience, several hundred patient experience, and many have gone on to medical school and advanced their skill set and delivered their talents to medicine and healthcare. Others have gone into academic medicine and academic research where they are, whether they're teaching or working on new technologies, and then a handful have gone into industry. And it's something that we're very proud of, particularly the students now. Several hundred have migrated through the artificial heart program. They are quite attractive to 
programs, whether it's industry or academic programs upon graduation for recruitment, simply because of the background and the skill and the capacity that they've had in taking care of patients. Speaking of artificial heart program, on any given day, how many people might be on artificial hearts at UPMC? Typically, that number would be somewhere between 70 and 100. Most patients these days, based on the work that's come out of the McGowan Institute in combination with our program, are living at home. The technologies have advanced to a point where patients and their caregivers can be trained to manage the devices remotely. So at any given time, although there may be 80 to 100, 70 to 100 patients supported by MCS technologies locally, the bulk of those, 80% of those, if not more, are at a home environment. Artificial hearts, I believe, are used for two purposes. One is it's called a bridge to recovery, and there's a bridge to transplant. What's the distribution between those two categories? Well, there's a third, John. So there is a bridge to recovery. There is a bridge to transplant. But I would say that the most of the patients receiving technologies today are uh, as an alternative to transplant, what we call destination therapy. Because the number of donor organs within the United States don't match the need. There are some 2,000 roughly organs, hearts available on an annual basis, yet by some estimates, there are 40 or 50,000 patients that could benefit from a heart transplant. The supply demand just doesn't match up. So what we have done and other hospitals are doing is utilizing these ventricular assist devices for destination therapy. A patient will get an implant and live as long as they can under the care of the physicians and the engineers with that technology. I would say more than half of the patients that we see these days are destination therapy patients. There are a handful of patients that recover. Depending upon the etiology of their disease, there are some whose hearts do get better and where they can be weaned off of the device. And then for the fortunate few, there are a handful of transplants that occur on an annual basis. I think with systems of our size, the number of, of hearts that are done somewhere between 40 and 50. Some programs may do a little bit more than those. But of that, I would say 10 to 15 are patients, maybe 20 are patients that are transplanted of mechanical circulatory support devices. Mr. Winowitz, do you do work with pediatric cases as well? Correct. We, uh, the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program, in combination with Dr. Morrell and our Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, is a very active center and, in fact, has one of the, the largest complements of patients within the history of mechanical circulatory support, using both pediatric and, in some instances, in larger teenagers, we can use uh, larger adult devices. The program has implanted more than 70 or 80 patients throughout the history. And like the adults, those patients can be discharged, their family and caregivers can be trained, and they can live at home. And working with our School of Engineering and the McGowan Institute have actually been involved uh, on the periphery in the development of pediatric technologies as well. So you mentioned that technology development. There is an effort by Dr. Borowitz that is looking at a new pediatric heart system that would be better suited for infants and toddlers. So that's something to look for in the future. Absolutely. It's sorely needed. 
historically because of the low volumes of heart failure within that population, there really hasn't been a huge investment by industry to develop and manufacture pediatric specific devices. And with Dr. Borovitz's work through the Swanson School of Engineering and the McGowan Institute, I think as this device evolves and comes to fruition, it's going to provide a higher level of support and a much needed layer of support for the population of patients, those pediatric patients that are in end-stage heart failure. Mr. Winowitz, thank you for joining us today and sharing with us your pioneering work providing clinical support services to the hospitals across the country and around the globe. We wish you well, you and your colleagues, as you move forward with new endeavors. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us. We welcome suggestions, the podcast. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicineday.com. So we meet again. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.